Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it is one Last Dance. Gotta remember, remember when the world was fucking falling apart, everybody felt like we were disintegrating. Mm-hmm. It was like Tom Hanks got COVID. They they pushed back the release date of F9, the ninth installment of the Fast and the Furious series. Thank you for asking, David. It was fucking great. It was so good. John Cena puts in a stellar performance. It's like he belonged in that franchise from mm-hmm. F-Zero. It's like he was patient zero. Is F-Zero just foo, like the foo fighters? No, it's foe, ah. like the food. Mm, okay. Wasn't well, um, that pho? No. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. Okay. If you ask. If you ask the person who knows, yes. If you ask a white person, it's foe. Okay, well, that helps because we are both white people. But then they were like, hey, one last dance. The Alkaline Trio song that you've been waiting for from ESPN Films. Mm-hmm. We're, put, we're expediting it. We're putting it out early. You need this. And we know that you need this. And then they, they gave it to us. And we got to relive the glory of one of the, one of the greatest times in the history of the city of Chicago. The making of My Shame is True. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it right. was a really magical for me, you know, getting to see the nuts and bolts of, you know, how they wrote songs like uh, The Temptation of St. Anthony, you know, a classic that everyone loves, um, um, specifically people who have uh, who are named Anthony um, or even have it as their last name, like me. You know, it's a very... You really feel seen by the material. Um it's crazy how much uh, Michael Jordan was gambling yeah. during the "My Shame Is True" recording session. Absolutely crazy. He was he was gambling on the most inconsequential things, like where Derek was going to put a drum fill, um, you know, just just even about guitar tone stuff, um, where the mids were on the amp settings. He, he just could not be stopped, and you know it. Uh, some speculate that's the reason he actually retired the first time, but you know who's to say. Question: Who is your favorite member of the Chicago Bulls dynasty? That is not Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or Dennis Rodman. Ooh, that that was tougher. I initially thought you were just going to say not Jordan for obvious reasons because I think it's. Kind of impossible. I would say, um, who, you know, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go Horace Grant. Ho, yeah, and it's actually pronounced f- who. Is that the- <laughs> Horace Grant? Hoorah, Grant. He's a Marine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's tough because I feel like there's a lot of good choices. There's some bad choices, mm-hmm. but I kind of like the the guys who are like iconic for being around you know and i feel like horace 
he wasn't bad by any means, but he was he was not the top tier upper echelon guy. And I uh, I like that. I also, if I, unless I'm confusing with someone, I thought he was the one who would wear the goggles, which I also appreciate. Horace Grant had the goggles. What, so for the such goggles, a fucking you know? move, and such a move too when he goes to Orlando and then his goggles become blue. I know, so crazy. Um, who, who who's yours? Mine would most definitely be Steve Kerr. He, I mean, he's the he's the choice. I think really in twenty twenty one too. Oh yeah. my god. That guy hasn't said many things that I wasn't like, fuck, yeah, Steve Kerr. But as someone who's, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the lower side of the, of the height chart, um, somebody who, who grew up uh, playing basketball, um, I was always such a fan of, of the little white guy who could shoot threes. Now, let me, the little guy who could shoot threes... Mm-hmm. Just saying, um, but you know what really does it for me is uh, is Steve Kerr's uh, speech. I think at the '97 parade when he's talking about the huddle before the before the last play um, mm-hmm. and and the last dance, yeah, be, before one last dance by the Alkaline Trio, and he's like, he's like, and then Michael was like, you know what, guys, like, I. I'm not sure about these high pressure situations. I think we should give the ball to Steve. The mm-hmm. crowd goes wild. I always like that move. It's a very good one. Um, I was also going to say, have you seen, this is uh, our basketball podcast. Have you watched the uh, Bad Boys documentary about the, the Detroit team? Oh my God. Have I watched the Bad Boys documentary? It's so it good. It is so but, good. Because, I mean, I really think genuinely my number two is probably Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. Um for all his faults, he is a complex individual, um, but I love uh, I, I love how much a relic his playing style is today. Dude just rebounded. Yeah. Rebounded and like dove into the crowd to like save the ball from going out of bounds. <laughs> like that was his entire thing. Uh, and I love that. I think that's so sick. Um, it was really cool when he was in wrestling, too. True. When he beat the shit out of Carl Malone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a thing we can all get behind. Um... <laughs> As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every every week we talk about multiple members of the Chicago Bulls. This week, it's One Last Dance by the Alkaline Trio from My Shame is True. And what a fucking, what a fitting title. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if you felt the same way, Tim, especially since we just did the whole over on our Patreon uh, we just did a whole, uh, let's make My Shame is True a little tighter and good. Let's take all the material. Uh, one of our famous resequences that we like to do. And even having listened to that record somewhat recently, I feel like this is one of the songs that I just do not remember what it is when I see <laughs> I the, the song title. <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, I know I've heard this before and it's just gone by. And I said, yep. All right. Yep. Um, this is the to me. Uh, and apologies to anyone who likes the song. This is like the definition of a forgettable song, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. This is we've um, used this metaphor before, but the the old uh, you know million monkeys at a typewriter 
scenario, this is like 10 monkeys uh, with five typewriters, and they say, all right, the name of this song is One Last Dance. Go. Mm -hmm. And this is the song that three out of five monkeys produce. Well, yeah, so let me... Let me get into the uh, good before I, I get fully into the bad because I do think there are a couple He's a bad boy, couple good things. Yes, the bad boys. Uh, I'm John Sally. Welcome to As You Were. Uh, I'm Martin Lawrence. <laughs> um, I do not mind the beginning of the song. It's very like them trying to do an '80s kind of dancey groove thing. Don't mind it. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's. It, that is pretty nice. Um, it is, it and is the last when it dance. starts, I'm like, it, 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 you know, it is the last dance. You got to bring the dance. Uh, I like that. Um, I like it when they bring the dance. I think Dan's bass parts throughout the song, pretty cool. Stellar, especially in the bridge. Yes, and the bridge is the third part I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have complaints <laughs> with it, um, but that's about the totality of what I like. Uh, so I'm just going to put it out there that I think at its core, this song might have had potential, but they kind of immediately get out of that groove that they establish up top Mm -hmm. and go into something that is much less interesting and uh so much so that matt is pretty directly biting the vocal melody from fine without you for these verses and (laughs) it bothers me to no end yeah and that that lead guitar at the beginning too is very reminiscent of the one-man army split Mm -hmm. he was doing some you know kind of like riffy leads on the on the low e i i really i'm a little bit bugged by this song and the way that it's mixed because it's just three guitars and they're all doing something like kind of similar but kind of different and then you've got the lead in the center of the mix um but they're all like mixed at the same level it's yeah, re- it just really it's kind of muddy. It's like this is a trio. You got, you, they're all playing guitar at the same time. Like, I know, I know. We got well, a layer the, the guitars. Is, we got a layer that's the, the guitars. Thing is they have songs where that's successful, mm-hmm. like Queen of Pain, um, which you know it's a song they can't. They do play live sometimes, which I enjoy. But it doesn't really sound like Queen of Pain because Matt doesn't just play the lead. He just kind of chords his way through mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, they have other examples of that where it works. But I do think this song is really hard to, like, figure out what to focus on in that part for that reason. It just feels like there's a lot of competing guitar elements. And what n- would make the song more successful is having, like, the lead kind of riffier part. And then some, like, lighter textural guitar stuff. But it's all just kind of, like, jam mm-hmm. up against one another. And I don't think that really, like, serves what they're going for because... Out of the gate, Matt is being a little reference boy and just like trying to like make this Akira love fest. And uh, I mean, from the title on down, really, like mm-hmm. it's just like it's a little heavy handed to me. Um, and I I don't love that. And I feel like, yeah, it just feels once you're in the verse, you know, the, the mix issues notwithstanding this song very much feels like them just on autopilot at this point in their career yeah the bobby smith thing is like cute um yeah i, I don't love, I don't love it. it either i love that early I mean, like, on the reason he says you rolled in like a 
storm and then he says showered me with scorn it's like yeah oh okay is your life filled with strife uh-huh yeah i mean there's a lot of bad um lines in the song specifically the first verse though like that shit i like <clears throat> a lot of rain uh that they like to Are sing about that's your thing torrential torture I am not a fan of torrential torture, no. Um, but yeah, the Bobby Smith thing, it's like cute, what, whatever. Like, But, okay, so to give some credit where it's due, I think in the chorus, Matt is actually kind of like self-actualizing a little bit. Of like, yeah, I was acting like a fucking child and like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And like, da 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 da, which like, whatever like if this is the function like i'm writing an apology song cool i'm i'm fine with that uh but (laughs) the one verse where he sings about like seeing this the the former lover in turquoise pumps in a black vinyl suit or whatever and then being like i want my friend back it's like no dude you don't (laughs) like that's not like I don't see Tim in his, you know, turquoise pumps and black vinyl suit and be like, oh, yes, I want to see my friend again. Like, yes. Dude, I haven't seen you you in a long time. And I... Well, no, I'm talking about I have have more sinister motivations, Captain. Watch Batman Returns the other night. Um, Which one's that? That's with Catwoman. In in what is my opinion the best superhero villain performance of all time michelle Pfeiffer's catwoman just putting it out there fair just putting it out there i know that that movie i know a lot of people don't like that movie as much a little bit long but it's cool it's cool she's great um yeah yeah the turquoise pumps thing is like what's going on here it feels like a david lynch like pull all of a sudden there's this weird like surreal thing that happens um i I don't know where where is he seeing this person with the turquoise pumps and tight black model pants i don't know uh i mean i feel like i remember it might have been when i interviewed him for ranky records or i might have heard it in something else but like i remember him calling out that line specifically and being like, yeah, like I saw her and that's what she was wearing. So I put it into the song and it's like, okay, like that's fine. Uh-huh. Um, but it is just like, it. this song is like an apology letter where he's like, all of a sudden he's like, and you're really fucking hot. Like you need to know how hot you are. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, I don't love that part of it. Um, I get real, in yeah. an otherwise not I get great real song. thrown off by the schoolboy thing too. Like, it is a really weird reference to make. Um, Cliché in, like, a real strange way. Yeah, like, I I think I I appreciate the fact that he's trying to be, like, I was acting like a child, but he's doing it in a way that, like, is the the pretty much the oddest way you can get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And... I think that's emblematic of, you know, when we've talked about the My Shame is True songs, like, the worst ones to me are the ones where Matt is, like, kind of doing that type of thing lyrically. I think the best songs are where he's just kind of goofing off and, like, 
being kind of campy mm-hmm. uh like a tim burton batman movie and i think the worst ones are where he's like trying to write really earnestly but he's still putting in details from a tim burton batman movie <laughs> into the songs and you're just like okay well i guess the penguin's here now i don't know what to tell you <laughs> Oswald Cobblepot, uh, the the forgotten child of Paul Rubens and Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> Truly. Um, love Danny DeVito, though. Dude, he's uh, the best. Man, yeah. I, he, he's someone who I, I really appreciate, and I feel like he's looked the same as my entire life, which is also tight. Like, I feel like I have no idea what yeah. age he is, because he just... Danny DeVito is, like, not an age or whatever. He's just a state of mm-hmm. being, and I fucking love He's that. also had a really cool trajectory uh, of being, like, I thought that, like, when we were younger, he was doing a lot more stuff that was for kids. Like, he directed the Matilda yes. movie and was very much mm-hmm. a part of the ad promotion for it. And yeah. then he was, like... It was like him and Ashton Kutcher were like the first people on Twitter. And Danny DeVito seemed to just like see the concept for what it could be in the many levels of uh, meta context (laughs) that he really ran with. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's one of those people like who for his age, I think, has like really understood like new media Mm -hmm. very well and how to interact with it. And even just like, you know, obviously, I think like Always Sunny really was a huge boon for mm-hmm. him um but just like him not even really being on the show and then just being like i like this and want to be on yeah. it you know like just understanding alt comedy understanding a lot of like i mean the fact he gave us one of the great uh memes of our time with retire bitch <laughs> like that's like you know the fact that comes from Andy DeVito is like a pretty great thing uh so you know, nothing but love uh, for my penguin. <laughs> my penguin is Yarmir Yager. Second penguin? Yeah, Danny DeVito. Oh, uh, Yarmir Yager, my first uh, favorite hockey player when I was Dude, a kid. I love every six months just Google image search Yarmir Yager. I like when uh, there there was that, like, my... I love just, like, also, like, how deep into his career he went. Like, he was just taking year contracts. He's like, I just want to play fucking yeah. hockey. He was, like, 45. Dude, I think he's like, still, like, a f- not officially retired. I th- Yeah, I mean, it's the same way, like, I love athletes like that who are like, oh, you just, like, are really about the game. It seems yeah. like uh, that's always very sick to me to tie it back to our original last dance conversation uh if you can't tell there's not a lot to say about this song Uh yeah totally and i mean this is also um you know to make the yarmir yager comparison he has uh stretches in his career where he you can tell doesn't really give a shit about uh Mm -hmm. about working very hard and then has moments where he just like comes back full force He's he's yeah, uh, he's got single true. season records for the New York Rangers from 2007. Like everybody yeah, thought he was done nuts. like five years ago, and then he was like, "Fuck that!" And then he led a team to a you know, mm-hmm. I think they were out in the semifinals of the conference. But either way, still, still 56 goals. That pretty year. impressive. Um, 
yeah, as was uh, Is This Thing Cursed and things that have come after My Shame is True, this is just a song that fills a space. Uh, it it really does feel like a song where you could have just given him the title and he would have shit this out. And I think that there's like, I will say that like I do, I I think that the intentionality of saying shit like blue turquoise pumps stuff like that where it does come from real life there is something thoughtful there it's just it feels strange to say it is too conceptual to work but the concept doesn't really work it kind of just makes you say what yeah i mean it's it's I think I think what we're both kind of circling around with this complaint of the song is like <clears throat> everything is so in the abstract up until that point really that it's like you're kind of slamming together two different things where it's like if he wanted to do this like apology of like to this person and really hone in on the details of like I think it's more compelling if like he sees someone walking in turquoise pumps and it's not her and it makes him feel bad. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, like if he's really honing on the details, but everything is so abstract through the verses and most of the choruses that when you get to that point, it just feels like a harsh tonal shift where you're kind of like, okay, so now this is a real thing and not an abstract rainstorm of torrential terror right. and Bobby Smith is there. Mm-hmm. Like, what what are we mm-hmm. doing? Um, and it's just like, it would be more interesting to like if you're gonna center around like this kind of cure reference setup both like the in-between days reference the bobby smith reference and the fact that they have a song called last dance on disintegration um Mm -hmm. like maybe if that's what you're doing like is was this this person's favorite cure song or something i don't know like give me some detail of this person and i think i think that's like what makes the song kind of weak is that you just really only um you know, there's there's been a debate online this week about how much uh, art and fiction should like actually be about a real people or mm. whatever. Um, and Glad I missed that one. I think it's yep. Um, bad times. <laughs> um, and ultimately, it's like my belief is like yeah, like if you're writing about someone, like you know, no one's gonna. It's not like you're saying their name, you know, mm-hmm. uh, here, and I respect that. Uh, you can definitely take details and turn them into something. Um, but I just feel like I don't get a full picture of this person. And at first, it feels like that's intentional. We're just focusing on your grief and sadness and your failures as a partner. Um, but then it just turns into like, I don't know, to me, it feels very like uh, I miss you because I'm horny song. And I just don't love that aspect mm-hmm. of it. It just feels like it's kind of mixing an apology with like, I want a thing back. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. That doesn't do yeah, it for me. Yeah, I'm with you. And you, you you look at the lyrics and what we learn from this sketch of this person is just the effect that they had on Matt. So yep, there's no real development development there aside from... Uh, an outfit choice, which mm-hmm. I think following the cure references of the title 
and saying in between days and something Bobby Smith would say, you kind of set the listener up for like receiving of references. And when you hear something mm-hmm. like turquoise pumps, it feels like, oh, okay, is is that like, is that a reference to a Cure music video? Is that a reference to like, what is that? Um, it misses, it's confusing. Um, yep. And yeah, the the chorus just feels so like not not thought over um you see where it's going um mm-hmm. down to the fucking rhyme scheme i mean the rhyme scheme and the melody just the way it lands is just so paint by numbers to me and like listen i don't think you need to like reinvent the wheel on every type of song but like the fact they kind of hint at something up top where I'm like, oh, okay, like this could be interesting and then only really get interesting again in the bridge. But I still feel like the weakness is Matt. I feel like he's really phoning it in on his mm-hmm. performance. And I feel like personally when I listen to it, I think they could double the length of the bridge because I think they really catch a nice groove. But they just kind of do it for like four measures and then a couple extra for Matt to repeat the same last line mm-hmm. and they're out. And it's just like this feels like the the lowest rent version of a lyrical exercise, the lowest rent version of a songwriting exercise. And it's just, it's again, it just feels very forgettable where it's like not a song when I listen to it. Am I like necessarily repelled, but it just fucking breezes past me. She's making her bed. Um, and now she's going to lay in it. It is. It it does feel like a like a lyrical exercise. It it, it really does. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just to just to put a Terry uh, put a Terry on top. <laughs> yeah, put a Terry. To put up a there. TJ Mud on top. Um, put a Terry Shibo up there. <laughs> uh, may I have this dance? has aged yeah. into a real uh milady sort of thing <laughs> yeah it has that's a good way to put it um yeah it's just like it, it's like you can picture matt wearing like you know one of those n- newsboy caps and like some suspenders and just being like you know oh this 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 bar says uh their soup of the day is whiskey would you like to go here my lady uh it's just very it's a very bad vibe. Let me uh let me pull this bandana off and uh wipe <laughs> off the old bar stool here. Mm-hmm. Sturdy, mm-hmm. I see. Uh, you know, one th- one thing I do wanna say, and I think this could have made songs like this and parts of this record more interesting, is that like, you know, the the person he's singing about is on the cover of this album. Mm-hmm. And at least at the time he was saying that like, you know, they were still friendly even though he was heartbroken. Uh, which like, if that is to be true, like, cool. It's, it's cool that like, she was down to be on the cover of this album, even though it's like largely about her. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point it's just like, you know, you've got material to go with. Like, it could have been cool to be like, Hey, like, what, what was your view on how I behaved? And then put some of that into the song as opposed to just like him being like, I was a schoolboy, Dude. Or just second like, grade figure yeah, painting. like you, you go with turquoise pumps. Like, why not say until I saw you on the fucking little five fifty? 
you know yeah, give us like, like something that's that's like oh cool that's that's a reference to the album art that's just give us something well because i mean even if they didn't know that was going to be the album cover right right, that, right, like, right. that's what he wanted it to do like he can connect it to like yeah, I just think there's ways to do it that are a little better and, and show that there is some sort of conceptual forethought. And when there's not that, it just feels like a song on an album that doesn't need to be there. And that's ultimately what this is. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's not the worst song they've ever written. Yeah. But it's one that just, for me, doesn't inspire much of yeah. And, yeah. you know, part of this is also inspired by Yesterday, like, you know, I put on uh, Wish by The Cure, and I was like, oh, like, this is such a good record. And then, like, hearing a song like this where it's just like, oh, like, you've internalized none of the lessons of <laughs> this band you seem to like so much. Uh, that always kind of confounds me. But it is what it yeah. is. What, what do you give it? I, that's my line. Um, I wanted to flip the script. We're nearing the end. You got to uh, surprise the people, man. The end. This is the end. Uh, this is a this is a one and a half out of five from me. I, I give it the same amount of turquoise pumps. <laughs> Can't even walk with these. Yeah, Jesus. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we had one last dance, and we're not at the last dance quite yet. We've got. We're getting close. We've got two more of these. And that's a pretty cool and exciting and emotional thing to uh, be approaching. And we're doing some cool stuff on our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were to commemorate the end of this. David and I are working on a zine that is going to be sent Mm -hmm. out to our Patreon fam. And if you're not subscribed to our Patreon, you can subscribe now, and you get that zine in the mail someday soon Mm -hmm. in August. And, um, yeah, we'll send those out. So if this is something that you've been listening to and enjoying and are interested in just a little piece of uh merchandise to kind of commemorate the time that we've been able to share together go on over to patreon.com slash as you were you can sign up for that we've got a cool backlog of stuff there too for you to go in and listen in on um we'll be back here on the normal feed as we always are, next week. And we invite you to join, to tell a friend, and to come back. We got a uh, cool idea for next week. It's going to be a little bit different than what we've done, than anything we've done before. We're looking Mm -hmm. forward to that, and we will see you then. Thank you, friends. (laughs) 